the Spouse Selection Podcast. Hey, everyone. We're on Season 2, Episode 5 already. Yep. And uh, surprise, surprise, like, actually, we are going back to the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> well, okay, for context, we're watching Love Never Dies, this episode, which was not originally going to be the pick because it was going to be Rich's pick, mm-hmm. but then we were watching... Uh, a Lindsay Ellis video and just people have been saying like really funny stuff about it and I have never seen it before even having seen Phantom of the Opera a billion times. Oh I didn't realize that. Yeah. I didn't know you hadn't seen it. Nope. Oh okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah I I should have considering how much I like Phantom of the Opera but mm-hmm. no and I feel like it's the weekend we got some porch rockers. Yep, we have some beers. We have some uh, some munchies, mm-hmm. and we are ready to watch a potentially funny movie. Yeah, I think it's gonna be not so haha funny, but more like cringe funny. Well, yeah. Yeah. But I'm kind of prepared for it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Lindsay Ellis's videos are like they're great. Um, she doesn't produce content anymore. Doesn't make things anymore like that. Um, but Which good stuff sad. out there. Yeah. Yeah. But hope she's doing well. Yeah, me too. Um, so in case anyone is unaware, um, "Love Never Dies" is the sequel to "Fan of the Opera." Uh, like that, a direct sequel. Yeah. Um, it takes place 10 years after the events of the first show. Um, so originally, according to the Lindsay Ellis video, and also just like from what I've heard about this show, basic knowledge is that it's based on a book by Frederick Forsyth called The Phantom of Manhattan. And this was a book that was commissioned by Andrew Lloyd Webber specifically, um, <laughs> And he basically said, like, here are the plot points that I want you to hit. And Frederick Forth was like, okay. And, uh, and the results. So, Go ahead. So he, com- Andrew Lloyd Webber, mm-hmm. after making The Phantom of the Opera, yeah. commissioned a book by Frederick Forsyth. Yes. And then based a play on it and also made a movie about the play that he based on the book that he commissioned. Well, it's, uh, yes, but I should, it's not a movie. I, I misspoke or when musical. I said it was a movie. It's just a, like a pro shot version of the live show. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's shot like a movie in that there's like editing and, you know. But it's not a movie to the same extent as the first movie that we watched, which is edited more like a movie. Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that, that'll temper expectations a little bit for me for sure, but. Yeah. I also just want to, real quickly, since we're back on the topic of the Phantom of the Opera, we were talking about it the other day, and we were discussing how the Phantom of the Opera is kind of an Andrew Lloyd Webber biopic, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we were talking about how, in the last episode, I said it's based on a true story, kind of, and you were like, I don't know what that means. And so then I explained to you about Sarah Brightman and how... Yeah. 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 <laughs> Elaborate on that, though, for people who like. So, okay, for those of you who don't know who Sarah Brightman is, she was the original Christine in the 
Broadway, like the first Broadway run of The Phantom of the Opera. And she was also, I learned recently, in Cats. Okay. Like the first. Like, Which was also an Andrew Lloyd Webber show. Yes, that's how she, yeah, that's how she met Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um, so they got married. And oh, then they, get married. they got married. And I don't know the details. I'll have to look it up exactly, but the details on why they divorced. But they got divorced, and it was not a pretty divorce. Um, so it's been implied by many people in the musical theater community that uh, even though Phantom of the Opera came out after, I don't know if it was after they had divorced. Well, she was the original Christine. How could could it? So no, it was never. Mind. So it, it, people joke that even though like he wrote it before they were together or while they were together or whatever, that it like is about their relationship. Oh my god! Yeah, and so, that Sarah Brightman is Christine. So we're Sarah Brightman's bastard child. That's a great question. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to read the, the very brief Wikipedia synopsis because I haven't seen this, so I can't provide a summary. Is it, like, actually brief, or do you want to pare no, it down? No, it's literally, it's just a paragraph. Okay. Yeah. So, according to Wikipedia, in the show, Christine Daae is invited by Oscar Hammerstein I, who is a real person, mm-hmm. for her American debut until an anonymous empresario contracts her to perform at Phantasma a new attraction on Coney Island. With her husband Raul and her son Gustav in tow, she journeys to Brooklyn, unaware that it is actually the Phantom who has arranged her appearance in the popular beach resort. Okay. Yeah, that's a a pretty, that's a good summary. That gets you right where you need to be. And does not provide spoilers, because we'll talk about the the movie or the show after we watch it. Right, but like the important things to hit here, though, is that Christine, the Phantom, Raul, and Christine's son, Gustav, are all in Coney Island. They're all in New York. Well, we have a crying child that we are going to go take care of, and we are then going to watch this movie. Yes. So we will be back. Yes. Okay. So we're back from watching Love Never Dies. Yeah, that was a musical. Something. <laughs> that was a that was a performance. That was a something. Well, okay. So just diving in right in, right? Yeah. So I thought it would be kind of funny if you gave a summary. Okay. So Christine Raul, who was a pretty decent guy throughout the entirety of the first Phantom, turns into a gambling drunkard. Who lost all of their money. The Vicomte de Chagny is broke as a fookie. And they basically... Okay, so you want me to give a full summary, full on? Huh? Yeah, well, all okay, right, first, hold on. Yeah. How, do, how does he lose their money? He loses their money gambling it. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a gambler. <laughs> yeah. So they... So the Phantom ends up getting smuggled out of Paris by Madame Jury and Meg. Mm-hmm. Really just Madame Jury because Meg has no agency. And <laughs> until she does, spoilers. But so she they get smuggled over to America. They set up in Coney Island in La Fantasma as their new performance, their new show that they somehow wiggle their way into. Mm-hmm. 
And the Phantom, like, runs everything. So if you ever watch this, just remember that the Phantom wrote all the music. He wrote all the lyrics. So, like, when Meg's dancing around and singing, like, their little... Bathing beauties on the beach. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for... Say hello. Like, what? Yeah, the Phantom sat in his little little dungeon and wrote that. Uh, supposedly. No, According he... to the show. Well, yeah, according yeah, to the show. Well, according to Andrew, Andrew Lloyd Webber. According, yeah. according to the deep canon of the Phantom of the Opera <laughs> cinematic universe. Is that what we're calling it? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, anyway, they, he's, in, he's in Coney Island. So, Raul and Christine and their son, Gustave, mm-hmm. show up in New York. Yeah. To basically perform for a famous dude, Oscar Hammerstein or whatever. And it's like, cool. Well, real quick. So, Oscar Hammerstein is the father of Oscar, Ham- Oscar Hammerstein the second, who wrote... Like, you ever heard of Rodgers and Hammerstein? Okay, yeah. Yeah, like, the, they wrote The Sound of Music, and... Oh. Yeah, so that Hammerstein. Okay, so mm-hmm. so she shows up to go perform for them because she's broke, or because they're broke. Yeah. And ends up getting, like, intercepted by the Phantom of the Opera, who, like, knows enough about Raul being a drunk to be like, yo, go to the bar. <laughs> and then shows up and is like, yo, I'll kill your family and also pay you. Um... Or I'll also pay you. So, like, I will kill your family if you don't perform for me, and I will pay you if you do perform for me. And then he wiggles his way into basically this becoming a situation where Raul, because he's a gambling drunkard and a gambling addict, refuses to allow himself to not take a bet with the Phantom that Christine will take on the role that the Phantom wants her to take and, like, actually perform for him. And he's like, ah, no, she won't. She won't do that. She'll be loyal to me, and she won't perform for you, even though you're incentivizing her by paying her and we need the money bad. You know, whatever. Don't think about it too much. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, and then? And then, guess what? Christine performs. And Raul is just like... You're missing a huge part here. (laughs) I am. What about, what, the the baby? <laughs> a boy? Yeah, well, okay. So, like, okay, so there's a backstory here. Obviously, we got little Gustav, right? Oh, no, Gustav is 10 years old. <laughs> and 10 years ago was the Phantom of the Opera the first time. So The only time that they ever consummated. Yeah, the only time they ever consummated. So Christine got pregnant with the Phantom of the Opera's kid. <laughs> And the Phantom of the Opera is like, oh my god, he's my little prodigy. I love this little dude. Oh boy, I'm going to wiggle my way into getting Christine to be acknowledge me as his daddy. And also her to be my mommy. And it's just, it's just horrible. And so, yeah, I guess I am missing out on a big part of the plot by not including that. Yeah, sure, fine. But like... What ends up happening there is that the Phantom's like, oh my god, he's a little prodigy. This is so cool. I'm going to get alone with this child and take him to my Hall of Mirrors, and I'm going to show him my face. And it doesn't go the way the Phantom wants. Little little Gustav is just terrified. And that's like kind of where it ends up, right? Up until the end of the movie where Gustav accepts it because, okay, 
as we were getting getting back on track here. Okay. Raul loses Christine in a bet, basically, with the Phantom, and just pieces out. And it just, like, leaves a note, and it's just like, yeah, I, like, I'm a man of my word, even though I'm a, supposedly a gigantic piece of shit and also a gambling <laughs> addict. And I said that I would not pursue my own wife, even though she's married to me. So he leaves, <laughs> and the Phantom's like, sick, awesome, cool, dude, where's Gustav? And that's kind of the big ending of the movie is, where's Gustav? Oh, my God, what happened? Meg snapped. Meg kidnapped Gustav. And uh, if you don't remember Meg, she's the blonde girl. You'll see her. She's not very memorable. She's kind of like Meg from Family Guy in that way. Um, <laughs> That's but a great comparison, actually. <laughs> she fully snaps and grabs a gun from wherever. And she takes Gustav over to, like, a what, the pier or something to yeah. go jump off into the water to go, like, drown him. And then... The, they every, everybody shows up. Madame Jury's there. Meg's there. She's pissed. Everyone's like, oh, my God, get Gustav back. And this kind of, like, almost looks like it's going to work because the Phantom walks over and he's like, I have a tremendous amount of trauma, too. And we can see the beauty underneath. I can see the beauty underneath your ugly-ass self, Meg. <laughs> and she's like, oh, my God, I just wanted you to notice me, baby. And he's just like... <laughs> Yeah, I'm noticing you look at, wow, what a great job you're doing kidnapping this child. <laughs> you should so let the child angry. go. So she's like, what does, she, what does he do? Oh, he makes the, the horrible mistake of, again, backstory here. Meg really, 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 really wants the Phantom. The Phantom is, is obsessed with Christine and also has a child with Christine. Uh, you can see where this is going. Meg is not okay with this. And when the Phantom's like, oh, you don't compare yourself to Christine. She's she's literally incomparable. She's so amazing. You can't, <laughs> you can't even, like, nobody can measure up to Christine. She's like an angel come to earth. And Meg is just like, ah, and shoots. And the Phantom tries to deflect the shot, but he deflects the shot right into Christine. And Christine is coherent <laughs> enough. She's coherent enough to get up. Because little Gustav ran away at this point, basically, right? Well, he says, like, bye-bye, Mom, and then, like, takes off. Because Christine tells him... That the Phantom is now his daddy. his father. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she tells him that the Phantom's his daddy. Gustav goes running. Raul shows up out of nowhere. <laughs> this is all so accurate. And then the Phantom... Christine has enough energy to, like, stand up and, like, walk around for a bit. And then she, like... No, she doesn't walk around. She takes a couple steps. No, she doesn't. Whatever. They she... sing a song. Oh, they sing a full <laughs> song. She has enough energy to sing a full song before she dies without saying goodbye to her own child. She just says, yo, don't worry about it. Your, your dad that you've been raised with who has his own flaws but, like, is your dad. And, like, you know, how he's the Vicomte de Chagny. I'm assuming that's a hereditary title that, yes, like, little is. dude would want to inherit at some point. Yeah, well, he's no longer your daddy, Gustav. You now will have to live with the half-burnt-faced scary man who sings. And he groomed mommy, and he's going to groom you, too, into a little singing little singing person. And Raul is a gambling drunk, but at least... I mean, okay, Raul is a gambling drunk, and that is absolutely irredeemable. But the Phantom is just a murderer. So, at the end of the play, the Phantom of the Opera ends up with his own little son that he has full custody over, 
uncontrolled full custody over in like 1905 New York. So like, <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is, is like, you know, little Gustav had a fucking horrible life probably. <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, okay. So that was a pretty good summary. Yeah. You did very well. Thank you. Um, You missed out on like a couple of things. So in this musical, the juries, for some reason, it's never explained why, but they assume that like when the Phantom dies, which he and Meg, or he and Madame Giri are around the same age, so like this makes no sense. Anyway, so that is th- true. They assume that they're going to inherit his wealth after he dies, and now that oh, this little heir like has popped up out of nowhere, that's no longer the case. It's like this has never been an issue at all yeah i mean that was kind of random wasn't it yeah well in the first one they're never motivated by any money or anything like they just want to help him they had to give a reason why madame jiri like literally like uprooted her whole life for this guy and her daughter's life yeah again like i kind of i kind of like that meg snaps and that's that's how this all ends up i kind (laughs) of like that because like the phantom's a psychopath Christine is, like, she's kind of, I mean, she's not doing much for herself. Well, she also has no agency whatsoever. Well, that's what I'm saying. She has zero agency. Yeah. Raul is just, like, I guess useless, too. (laughs) Well, it's just, it's very interesting how in the first movie, or I shouldn't say movie, in the first show, he's this, like, savior and is, like, you know, this, this, perfect prince charming to christine and then in the second show he's this absolute horrible human who gambles all her money away and gets drunk and doesn't spend any time with his kid and it's just like where did this come from it's funny like i mean i'm i don't there's nothing wrong with that being the case i don't think like you know people change whatever but like (laughs) at the same time it is funny that like they didn't even like give a hint at all about raul being like in any way shape or form a negative and, like, Christine, even, is just like, oh, God, it's been hell being married for ten years to <laughs> this guy. And it's like, Madame de Chagny, like, what? Well, it, okay. I mean, fine, fine, I get it, it's cool, but damn. You also missed out on them singing a song about how they fucked ten years ago one time. No, I didn't, I didn't miss out on that. I mean, I missed out on mentioning it, but... It was the horniest song going. Yeah. So, okay, I remember now one of the points that I wanted to bring up. Because, so, this song exists. It happens after the fan of the opera just poofs on in and is like, hey, Christine, here I am. Um, Also, he's Mr. Y now. He's no longer the Phantom. He's Mr. Y, which it's never explained. It's because they don't know why they made this (laughs) show. (laughs) Exactly. He's Mr. Why does this exist? It's a, it's short. <laughs> Andrew Wide Weber. Wow. Yeah, that was awful. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know why he decided to do that. He did Cats, too, so he's the master of why the hell do something. Yeah. So anyway, they sing this song about how, like, after the events of the first show, the fan, or Christine comes back to the Phantom and they fuck, and apparently... Chris, or, yeah, Christine wakes up in the morning and the Phantom is gone. 
mm-hmm. and leaves. And she sings th- these lines about how she loved him and like, we were going to have a life together and you ghosted me. And that was my first sign of like, this is not characteristic of the Phantom in any way because he's obsessed with Christine. He literally like threatens to kill her child if he she doesn't sing for him. I mean, he, that's his whole obsession. So like, why would he just take off and leave her if she's coming back and saying, you know, I want to be with you. That's just, that doesn't follow with the rest of the narrative. I mean, I, you could always just say that like he was fleeing murder charges because he pretty much was like, they didn't know who he was, but he had to get the hell out of there. Well then where would Christine have found him? Dude, (laughs) he's the Phantom of the Opera. That's, he had a bunch of little freak weirdos working for him. He had, like... That's what I'm saying, he, At any point, he could have just been like, oh, you will deliver a message to Madame de Chagny when your little clown costume. <laughs> so, okay. So if he was in a remote enough location that he could have had a messenger go and send a message... He was in New York still City. still not have been found. No, but, but that's not where they banged. That's what I'm saying. They, they fuck back in Paris. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so then how that that's where the logic doesn't make any sense because he's smart enough to have reached a secure enough location where he couldn't have been found and he's still up and leaves. Well, so why wouldn't he have just like started a new life with Christine in a remote location? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like the fan I'm saying that the Phantom of the Opera like this, this is a guy who could it who like if he wanted to see Christine would like not stop. Well, that's what that exactly. So it doesn't make sense for her for him to just ghost her the night after they fuck, and she's like, "I love you." He doesn't really explain himself there, does no. he? Either no, <laughs> it makes he sucks. no. I mean, sense. the guy's a violent psychopath. So like, but he didn't get up to too much violence in this movie. Actually, no violence. No. Uh-huh. Well, he finds out he has a, a son. Yeah, but the he finds out he has a son. So he's got to be a role model. Exactly. He even says like, "All of my life will be devoted to this child now." This is my reason for existing. So. Well, it's a good thing that he found a new reason for existing a couple minutes before Christine got killed. <laughs> yeah. She sang for a long time after she got shot. That's all I'm saying. She was, they were going for it for several minutes after she got shot, which is kind of hilarious. I mean, not in like haha funny, but like kind of haha funny. Also, Aaron pointed out if you watch the film version of this, uh, the blood pack doesn't engage. No. Like when she she goes down, she like is pressing against her stomach, and you can see like there's no. Yeah, which it's it's bizarre because this is a it's a pro shot version of a performance, but they could have just used another part of a performance. Like they could have just used that same scene, but from a performance where the blood pack went off and just edited it to look like it was in there. What was that? It was my wedding ring oh falling my off my God. finger. Sorry, everybody. Ugh. I got it back. We are all good. But, yeah. So, uh, you can definitely tell that she's, she's like, why would it, why would it work? Yeah, why would why this, would thing this go, go off? off? <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to talk about the creepy-ass song that the Phantom sings to Gustav about the beauty underneath? That's the, okay, so that is the quote-unquote best song in the whole play. The whole musical, the whole show, the whole movie. Um, it is the only one that I like remember vaguely. 
Yeah. A couple days later, you know what I mean? Or I like that I, you know what I mean? It's just like, and a beauty underneath, but none of them. Yeah, none of them were memorable or... Not to the extent of the first one in any way, shape, or form. No. And it's funny because you can see exactly why this won zero Tony Awards and did never made it to Broadway. Also, like, you have to... It's kind of... I mean, to get it on the Broadway, you have to be, like, a Phantom fan to bother watching this. Yeah, really. I mean, I guess... From what I've heard, people that a lot of people that go to see it are season ticket holders for something like Shays, sure. where you know it'll come to their local theater and they're like, "Oh, I have this ticket anyway. I might as well go see it." And a lot of people leave after the first act because they're <laughs> like, "This is trash. What the fuck?" So, it yeah. Um, I okay. So I'm gonna make this point again because it always makes me laugh. So, and. To be fully candid, part of the reason why I wanted to watch this movie and do this podcast is because I listened to the Musical Splanning podcast about it, and it made me die laughing. And also, I had not seen this yet, and I was like, I should probably watch this. And I think you would have some really funny commentary, so let's mm. watch it together. <laughs> and Kavi Taharian says this one line in the podcast where he's talking about that song where they're singing about fucking the one night. Yeah. And mind you, their son is in the next room trying to sleep, and he says the line, what's weirder, walking in on your parents having sex or hearing the muffled sounds of your parents singing about the time they had sex when they conceived you? And it's like, mm, yeah, right. That's though? a tough one. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal, though. But, yeah. I mean, Gustav was a little go- Gustav. He was running in and out of scenes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He was a little sneaky little guy. Well, I mean, from the beginning, he was very much like, I want to go and see all the creepy stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm different from all the other kids. Yeah. I must have a weird dad. Because the Phantom kind of runs a freak show. It's like a freak show slash like performance venue slash whatever else he wants it to be. Of which Meg is the, the leading lady, basically. Yeah, she's the prima donna. Yeah. So um, part of the part of the plot, too, is that... Uh, the Phantom books Christine to sing a song that that he writes right. for her called Love Never Dies mm-hmm. and books it the same night that Meg has some performance where she sings Bathing Beauties, which mm-hmm. I guess she's been working on for a long time and is very important to her. And she's like, I want to make sure the Phantom is there to watch me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what kind of sets her off is that obviously the Phantom doesn't watch her Uh and so the performances happen on the same night, but the Phantom have, has other things to do besides watch Meg sing about bathing beauties. Yeah, his ex, his baby mama ex girlfriend of two days is coming back. Well, he has to convince her to sing because at that point he has made the bet with Raul, mm-hmm. and he has like Raul's already come in and been like, "Oh, that was the other thing." Okay, so Raul and the Phantom make a bet, like you said. Yeah. So before Christine goes to sing Mm -hmm. Raul comes in and is like don't sing the song if you really love me you won't sing this song she's like okay baby I won't sing it and so then he leaves and she takes her earrings off and she gets up to leave and like tries to open the door and and the phantom has clearly locked the door so she doesn't even another example of how she has no agency at all she's trying to make her own decision but then the phantom's like nope I'm gonna make you make my decision for me yeah um 
That's where she gets the necklace, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the other thing. He puts like a Billy Zane Titanic necklace on her. <laughs> Billy Zane Titanic <laughs> necklace? That was the metaphor Lindsay Ellis made, and it's perfect. <laughs> it's literally what it is. A super choker. Yeah. So <laughs> he's like, sing for me because we have a baby and you are my love. And she's like, okay. So then, I know I just told my husband that I wouldn't sing for you, but I guess I'll sing for you because you lock the doors and you're threatening. <laughs> yeah. But also, I love you. <laughs> so the performance where, <laughs> okay, this is the other thing you pointed out. So she sings this song, which is, of course, named Love Never Dies. That's the name of the movie. The show. But yes. That's the name the of the movie. film. Yes, correct. The performance. The per- yes, yes. <laughs> um. And she's wearing this really pretty, you know, royal blue colored dress. And there's this backdrop behind her of, which you pointed out, a male peacock. (laughs) Yes, there is. (laughs) Yep. So there's Christine just... Strutting like a male peacock. Yep. (laughs) That's what the Phantom's into. Apparently. Also, they're both her or both the Phantom and Raul are conveniently sitting in the corners of the stage yep. so they're illuminated so she can look at both of them and be like hmm I wonder who I'll choose and Raul's like darn you're singing therefore I the, lost exactly and so he pieces out like you said yeah he splits he goes to run he goes to get some cigarettes or some milk from the store <laughs> or some vanilla coke like you said some vanilla coke <laughs> but he comes back when Christine's dead and he just stands there impotently while the Phantom is like my son. And Gustav is like, Daddy, Daddy, come, Papa. Come, <laughs> let us get an iced cream. <laughs> While my mother's corpse is just... I would like to ride the roller coasters, Papa. We're in Coney Island. Yeah, where does Raoul even come from? France. No, you know what I mean. Of course I do. I'm being an <laughs> asshole. Oh I don't know. Someone, he shows up. Madame Giri must have phoned him on his, on his paged him or something. That's the other thing, too, is that so Meg shoots uh, Christine, yeah. and then Madame Giri's like, we got to get you out of here, and then they just they just leave, and that's it. They split. They went, they, they're like, shit, while well, France is out, and USA is out, they're, going, they're on a boat to fucking Argentina. <laughs> they're like, I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> So, um, how would you rate this movie? Solid, like, two, uh, it's out of five. Solid, yeah. like, <laughs> that's hard, man. I don't know. 1.5 out of five. Oh, I would give it a one. Yeah, I feel like a two's too high. <laughs> yeah, it's way too high. And, like, and here's the thing. We've kept mentioning the, this is a performance, but, like, the performances individually were actually good. Yes, that that is one thing. So... What made this work was the the singing and the acting. Yeah, the songs weren't individually great or memorable, but they were being sung by people who were really, really talented. Yeah, everyone that was in the show, or I should say that had a song, did a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. Like, I was very impressed with everybody. Even the little Gustav kid, like, yeah, he was he, hitting his notes very well. He sure did. He rocked it. Yeah. I mean, I've heard worse performances. Yeah, I mean... So, yeah, I, oh. but it was great. But, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I if I had the opportunity to sit down with Andrew Lloyd Webber, 
the first thing I would ask him is, why does this exist? Why did you need to do this? Like, with the success of the first one. Money. (laughs) Money. (laughs) Okay, but didn't the, the, the people in his life ever sit him down and say, listen, Andy, this plot is really, really stupid. The people in George Lucas's life didn't do that. That's very fair. <laughs> they were sitting there, they read the script for the episode one and, and, and the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, and they were just like, sounds good, George. <laughs> you do you, buddy. You're pay- you're writing the paychecks. But, you, you're signing I mean, the check. At least with the, the prequels and Star Wars, they, they kind of make sense to the rest of the story. Ooh. Yes. Okay. Better romance. The Phantom and Christine or Anakin and Padme? Oh, God. Who had a better oh, romance? God. This is the worst question ever. <laughs> Who had a better romance? They both end up dead. Both of the women end up dead at the end of this saga. <sighs> Who had a better romance? Okay. I have to think about this because this is a really difficult question. Um, I'm going to go with Probably Anakin and Padme because at least like like Anakin didn't force Padme into I don't know I get I don't know this this I'll what I'm be, saying is hard it's hard but I'll be honest like Anakin didn't force Padme into anything but like the power dynamic there was rough but we're getting a little off track but I will say I think I agree because at least. Like, Anakin didn't groom Padme. Right. She was older than him. Yeah, she groomed him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not really, but you know what I mean. The Phantom, that was... Straight up hardcore grooming. Yeah, like, oh, your father is dead, Christine. Nice. (laughs) I'll be your daddy, and also maybe your dad, your ghost phantom dad and also give you a bastard child you're welcome well he had to he had to come into the real world to to make a child he had to leave his phantom cave remember he lived in the phantom well yeah yeah Mm -hmm. he should have stayed in the beauty underneath he had a really cool cave with like chandeliers and stuff and paintings you didn't like the phantasma funhouse shit Oh, it sucked. It was just a, it was just a circus funhouse. It was Coney Island shit. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, the that's thing. cool. I like Coney Island stuff. But I'm just, you know, not really like. Well, I'll I'll say this much. So first of all, Coney Island for a setting for Phantom of the Opera is bizarre. Altogether, <laughs> it's just that's it's just I a mean, weird setting. I think it's great. Point points for that. It's an interesting setting. Maybe I'll say that. So for the setting that. They picked the backdrop and the props and stuff were accurate for Coney. I mean, it looked like Coney Island. Sure, yeah. So. You didn't really get to see too, too much of, like, quote-unquote Coney Island. It was all. The the show, but, like, the type of show. We were were watching a, I keep forgetting that we were just watching a stage performance. I got to keep remembering that. (laughs) It was just a stage performance, literally. It was shot very well, though. It was. It was shot extremely well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, credit where credit's due. Still 1.5, but like performances were great. Everybody sang well. The sets were excellent, including the peacock. Yeah, 
I agree. But, yeah, I mean, like we said before, the songs weren't memorable. The story was all over the place. It just, yeah. At least it ended up in a nice tight bundle with Meg shooting Christine. That was great. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was that was hilarious. Yeah, I, all the people to shoot Christine and end up being Meg. 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 Well, I think that about wraps it up for this episode. Okay. Um, And I know that I kind of passed over your pick, so now it'll be your pick, and I'm sorry for no, doing that. No, you're good. I have to check the IMDb, like, parental guide for, like, guidance and violence and stuff. But I think we might be watching Red Dawn. Okay. Because that sounds awesome. It's a toss-up, folks. We're going to leave it as a little bit of a toss-up for you right now. It's going to be between Red Dawn and Avatar, actually. Yeah. Because the av- and by Avatar, I mean James Cameron's Avatar, which I saw in theaters. It was pretty awesome in theaters, like, just visually. Um, I'm sure it'll look good on the television here, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've never seen it. I know it was huge and made, like, a billion dollars or whatever, but yeah. I just never... He's making, I guess, a couple or two or three more movies in the Avatar series, whatever. So I don't have any hopes for the sequels or whatever, but good for James Cameron. He's got a billion dollars and he found the Titanic and he doesn't have anything else to do with his time. So (laughs) he can make four movies. Yeah. So, all right, well, let's bump up our Facebook engagement a little bit. So uh, why don't we leave it up to an audience vote, perhaps? That sounds good. Okay, so uh, if you go on our Facebook page... This is two very, 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 very different movies. <laughs> That's okay. It I is. Don't mind. Uh, so, between Red Dawn and... Uh, I'll, I'll put a poll or whatever yeah. up. Um, you can follow us at uh, the Special Election Podcast on Facebook. Um, I am at Aaron McGilvray on Twitter. Uh, and I am at Mr. Chief on Twitter. Just look my name up. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll put a poll on Twitter as well for those of you that uh, are interested. And then we will tally the votes. Yes. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, this was fun, Otter. Thank you for humoring me. Oh, God. You're welcome. And, like, (laughs) I kind of wanted to watch it, too. I wasn't, I mean, I didn't figure we were going to do a full podcast on this when we ended up watching it. But I'm glad we did. Yeah, I just figured, like, it would be kind of funny. It was more for my own entertainment, so. Hey, and it's, like, not too, too long, which is nice, and I'm glad uh, if you stick around, thank you for doing so, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Yeah, um, and I will also just shout out the Musical Splaining podcast again uh, for anybody that wants to. Did you just? What? Never mind. Uh, for anybody that wants to uh, listen to their episode on this musical uh, they are on Spotify as well. And, uh, yeah. So thank you guys for listening. And we will be back uh, with an episode on either Red Dawn or Avatar. Woo. Woo, woo. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.